All right. We'll try and get through this as early, as quickly as we can. Um, new year, new season, new time. I look forward to January. I look forward to January because uh, for some people, if, we're, if I'm organized, I'm usually organized by January and I know the direction we're going. In this January, I have no idea the direction we're going and I'm really dependent and trusting God. Right? But I look forward to January because I, as you would have seen, January two years ago, I got the chance to do some practical stuff. I was painting. January last year, we got to build the buildings outside. I got to get practical and do some building work. That's what I love. I love to be able to put my hand to something and see it create. I love that and I love it and I love it. And you know what? This January, I woke up Monday morning in anticipation last week because I got to do something with my hands again. This, this, this January, we're doing some renovations here in the church and you're going to need to put up with a little bit of a mess here and there and a little bit of disorder here and there. But you know what? We'll be okay because we're together on this. Amen? We'll see some changes open up. But I'm, I woke up Monday morning and I got up early and I'll just set the scene for you a little bit. I've got to share the, the scene a little bit. Is that all right? Six, uh, June, June-ish, Thomas got his, my oldest son, Thomas got his, his peas and uh, he didn't have a car and uh, he didn't have a job at the time. And Sorry, he had a job. He had a small job cleaning the school, but he didn't have a full-time job. So he couldn't afford to buy a car. So what, I did what all good parents would do. I sacrificed my piece of junk so he didn't have to go and buy a piece of junk. I gave him my ute, right? And, uh, and I said, you look after my ute and it'll look after you. And that, that's the truth. You look after your vehicles, they'll look after you until they get to a point where they just get old and they start to break down. Well, I thought, well, don't go and waste $1,000 on something that's just going to continually break down. Just drive mine until it breaks down. That's what you do, right? So he's had my ute. But, you know, guys, if you've got a ute or if you've got a car and a trailer at least, you can do lots of things, can't you? You can pick things up. You can take things places. You can load it up with all different things. You can put your tools in your ute. True? But I was relegated to a van. It wasn't just a van. It was a Kia. I was relegated to an eight-seat van, and uh, I had car seats in it, and I was backwards and forwards in my van. I was doing all sorts of things, and uh, I ended up using it as my, my, my tool carrier because it became a pigsty because it was always full of tools. Anyway, um, I went through a period, I think it was November. We had No, it was December. We had all three of our cars, Thomas's and the Kia and Sarah's Kluger, all broke down in three days. Bang. Her car. We live in Yenda, so it makes it a little bit difficult to to get in and out and around. And uh, but thank God, within a one day the Kia, the Kluger got fixed, and the next day the the um, Kia got fixed, and then the next day uh, I was able to get the the, the old Ute fixed. And uh, it reminded me, and I'm and, I, and I'm like, oh righto, this is really cool. And then and then all of a sudden Thomas is driving the Kia, and he the Kia blows up. So I'm like, oh, I can't use the Kia anymore. And I was relegated to a motorbike. Now, a man who likes to do practical things and likes to come to church with tools and different things can't carry much on a motorbike. I should have come and got your motorbike and trailer, and I would have been all right. But I didn't, right? And I couldn't, I I can't carry much on the motorbike um, as far as heavy things. I could bring my laptop and my backpack and all that sort of stuff. That was fine. I was able to do that stuff. But it comes to this Monday morning, just gone. And like I said, I had planned to do some demolition. Now, who actually saw there was a difference when you walked in this morning? Can you tell me what the difference was? 
There's a room missing. We've got a gray wall on a green wall with a dark wall. It just looks weird. But there was some demolition that took place, right? Now, when you do demolition, you can do demolition in a couple of different ways. You can just rip, tear and bust and hurt yourself. Or you can do it in a systematic way, which is the opposite to the way that you build it. My intention was to do it so that we could salvage whatever we could. So I wanted to do it in an ordered structure. So to do that, you have to use tools. Is that right, guys? you got to use tools? Right, great. So we're all on the same page. Now, how am I supposed to bring my demolition tools on my motorbike? Conundrum number one. Hey? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's true, actually. <laughs> but what I did was I got up really early. And I had my breakfast and my coffee and I snuck out while Sarah was still asleep and I stole her car so I could bring my tools in. Right, so I, I took it down to a shed and I loaded it up with all my different tools and I came into church with my tools ready for my day of demolition. I got here about, I don't know, it might have been, it wasn't too early, it was about 8.30 by the time I loaded everything up. The reason I was so late was because I couldn't find a particular tool. Right? And my title of my message is actually, we have the right tools. Now, if you've been in my shed, I've got the right tools, but they're not in any good order because I can't find them because it, my kids just throw things into my shed and it gets full all the time. Yeah, my kids. I'll give you an example later on, right? But anyway, I don't need to embarrass them now. So I'm like, I can't find my little Jimmy bar. I've got a beautiful little Jimmy bar. It's been with me. I think I stole it from my dad. Take that from the tape, but I think that's what I did. I've had it since... I don't know, I was about 18 years old and uh, it's helped me demolish lots of things, a whole house, um, lots of different renovations, some stuff here at church, but I can't find it. I've misplaced it somewhere. It's probably in my drawer in my office, but I can't find it. So I was looking for this little Jimmy bar everywhere so I could have the right tools because you need to do some demolition. You need a Jimmy bar and you need a hammer, right? And you can see I've been demolo demolishing stuff because there's plaster all over it. You need the right tools. So I, I can't find my Jimmy bar and I start heading to church and I, I'm like, God, I need this. I don't know where it is. Please let it be in my drawer. I get to church. It's not in my drawer. <sighs> what am I supposed to do now? Just so happens that God answered my prayer because there was someone at church who could help me. His name was Kyle Marshall. He was here in his ute. And guess what? He's a builder. He had all his tools in his ute. And he goes, oh, you're going to demolish that today? And I said, yes, I'm going to demolish that today. And he goes, you got your tools? I said, i got some, but I can't find my Jimmy bar. And he goes, you want one? I said, yeah, i got three. Right, I went and pinched one out of the back of his ute. Happy days, right? Right tools. Because we've got the right tools. We've just got to understand how to use the right tools. But not only did he give me a Jimmy bar, because when you've got a Jimmy bar, you can pull things off and all different things like that. But he gave me the miraculous tool called a saber saw. I took the blade off so I didn't cut my hand off, right? But he gave me this saw, you know, it goes in and out, in and out, and, out, and it means you can cut things like timber and nails and different things like that. So that was very, very critical for me to pull the walls off properly. Like I said, I wanted to respect Pastor Rodney's work all those years ago building that little room. So I've got my tools and I come to the place of where I start taking all the things off from the outside because there was a lot of stuff on there. There was the brochures and all sorts of things. I started to take everything off and I got to the heater. Remember everyone, there was a heater on top of it above the... right. I got to the heater and I, I'm like, oh, I've got the right tools, 
but my 12-inch shifter is at home and it's got a very big brass nut on it that I needed to get undone. So I went out to the shed. Someone stole our, our, um, our shifter. So I couldn't do that. And uh, I'm like, oh, I'm kind of stuck. I can't do this. Kyle was gone by this stage. He didn't have one. He was, he was working with um, Philip. And uh, I'm like, oh, what am I going to do now? So uh, I did what all good people do when you can't. This is men. I'm giving you permission. When you haven't got the right tool, go and buy it, right? I went and bought myself a shifter because it was easier to go and buy one for the church than to run home all the way to Yender and back again to, to get a shifter. Is that right? So I lost time to go and buy it. So you need the right tools. True? Or not? Am I, am I going over your head? True, right. So we've got the right tools. So there's Kyle's really big saber saw, which he didn't give me. And there's my new shifter. But the third one is, Barry, can you tell me what that is? Ooh, it's a C-spanner. So last weekend, I needed to do a little bit of work on my motorbike. And I've got to go and see my mechanic. I have to go and see my mechanic because it's due for service in about a 1,000 kilometers, right? And I, I, I'm like, oh. So I had to do some work. I had to fill up the... Um, the water reservoir for the radiator because it's been really hot. I took all the fairings off, checked it all out, made sure it was right. While I'm there, I flick the chain and I've got a very loose chain. It's time for a tightening. And I can't tighten my chain without a C-spanner. And guess what I don't have? Right. So thank God for mechanics, true? Now, this is why you pay money to people, you know, because you get things done and you don't have to buy their tools. So, so... We just need the right tools. Is that right? Who thinks they've got the right tools? Who's got a C-spanner I can borrow? No, I've got a Barry that I can borrow. Is that right? <laughs> anyway. Hey? No, no. no, no. We've got an agreement. <laughs> anyway, will you just say it with me? We just need the right tools. Now, just look at your wife. Guys, and tell her you need the right tools. Jamie, you can go and buy a ute. That's fine. <laughs> you need the right tools, okay? But the reality is, and, and this is where I'm going to go with this today, is that we actually have the right tools. We have the right tools. Um, I was over having a laugh last week because Jan told me that she's got her own battery drill. Where are you, Jan? Yeah, look at her. She's, it's pink, Graham tells me. Yes, but it's pink, Graham tells me. Who, the one wearing a pink shirt thinks that the drill's pink. But it's pink, right? So she's got her own battery drill. Mr. Fox was here earlier. He's got his own battery drill. He told me once that he bought it for drilling holes in pot plants. Woo! That's really, really cool, right? Multi-purpose drill. You've got you to know what you're doing with this stuff. Anyway, all of that stuff, just for us to say that we need, well, guys you would actually say we need good tools. Is that right? Yeah? See, my shifter, I went and spent 20 bucks, but I could have spent 120 bucks on that and got one that would last forever. But for the odd little gas heater that I've got to take off, it's not worth it. True? Yeah? So you do need good tools, but you need wisdom to be able to use your good tools. It's pointless, it's pointless having a $5,000 MIG welder if you don't know how to use it. Is that right, Josh? If you don't know how to use it, what's the point? Yep. True? It's 
It's pointless having a $5,000 car hoist if you can't do a service on a car. You're better off going to spend the money and get pay someone that knows how to do it. True? But we have things that we have that maybe we need a reminder on how to utilize them. True? So tools have been very important since creation. It's very quickly we come to Genesis chapter 4, only two chapters after creation and God's discussion with Adam and Eve. We come to Lamech and uh, he had another wife. Her name was Zillah and uh, she gave birth to a son named Tubal-Cain, the word tells us. He became an expert in forging of bronze and iron. So very, very quickly, humanity realized that we needed tools to be able to do things like till the ground, do different things because of the reasons were because the ground was cursed. True? So tools were really, really important. And I think this is the birthing of all men's desires to have good tools right there. So we just need good tools. When I get into this mood, I start to think about a particular Bible character. His name is, um, well, there's our good tools. Look at that. The uh, pack of power, the uh, good guitarist. Who's a guitar player here in the house? You need always need a good guitar, is that right? And uh, if you're going to go to war, you need some good tools. So when I start to think about this kind of thing in reflection, I think about a particular character. His name's Nehemiah. Anyone ever heard of Nehemiah in the Bible? He's the shortest man in the Bible, Nehemiah. Oh, come on. They're supposed to fall on, on good ears, but anyway. Um, Nehemiah, Nehemiah is um, a great strategist, and he helps his people bring safety to uh, Jerusalem at a time when it was very, very, very dangerous. Nehemiah is a great story. I love it. You can draw so many things out of it. I just want to draw a couple of points out of point, uh, chapter 4 for us today. Can we read the story together? Chapter 4, verse 1 of Nehemiah. It says this, But it so happened when Sambalat, he was one of the enemy kings, heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him. And he said, whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. There's a lot of confidence right there, isn't it? Yep. Verse 4, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them a plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Verse 6, So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Now, that's quite miraculous that the people unified and they built the wall to half the height in a short period of time because they had a mind to work. When you've got a mind to work, you can achieve all sorts of things. 
and you can get it done. But in a holiday period, you haven't got a mind to work. Is that right? You don't have a mind to work in a holiday period. So what usually would take you three or four hours takes you three or four days, right? But when you've got a mind to work, you set yourself to the task and it gets done. And when you're in a season of harvest, that is a time where we need a mind for work. True? So we need a mind for work, which means we need to renew our mind to work for not ourselves, but for the kingdom of God so that he receives the fullness of his glory. That's the kind of season that we're in. We've got to have a mind to work. And when we put our minds together, we can achieve so much more for the glory of God because we have a mind to work. And we can do so against the mockings of Sambalat, against the mockings of the enemy who would try and pull us down, who would say that we're just insignificant, who would tell us that we have no purpose. We all know that they're lies because when we are in Christ, we can achieve many, many things. We'll keep reading. Verse 7 and 9 says, Now it happened when Sambalat, Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed that they became very angry. When you start to do something together as a church, the enemy becomes very angry and he starts to roar a little bit to try and scare you from making progress. And that's what Sambalat and Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ashdodites and all those sorts of diet kind of people, they all come against Jerusalem and they started to make a loud noise to stop them from work. And Nehemiah needed to do something to keep the work going, but also encourage his people in this time. It says, And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Sometimes the church can get confused because of the voices in and out. of. So I've taken a time off social media because I don't want voices, right? I only want to hear from God at this moment. Does that make sense? So we, we can't allow the confusion to come in. So we put things in place. Verse 9, Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. What was their first thing they did? We made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. This was an adjustment that we did as a church well, probably two years ago. We, we made this adjustment probably three or four years ago. Uh, the oversight had increased the level of prayer from a, a leadership perspective. But about two years ago, we called a monthly meeting uh, on a Wednesday night, um, and, and our prayer team led by Hannah has been leading that. That was a something that we put into place because we knew we were starting to make some inroads and the enemy wasn't happy, so he started to cause some chaos in our lives. Prayer is the answer. That's what Nehemiah teaches us, that when we... We start to get resistance. We turn to God and we begin to pray for strategy. We begin to pray to God for answers. We begin to pray to God for wisdom. And, and, and this is what we start to see. And the second thing we did was we, we, we pulled together an intercessory team, a team of people that have a passion to pray for God, his church, and his people. And they started to, to see that they were praying into certain people's lives and into the things that was happening in their lives. We've started to see some breakthrough in people's lives because people have been interceded for and you didn't even know about it. 
families that have just been put upon the hearts of, of the intercessors and the leaders are being prayed for even, even now. And they're, they're crying out to God that you would have breakthrough and healing, breakthrough in uh, circumstances with your work, breakthroughs in circumstances with your finances, breakthrough in the area of sharing the gospel. And we're starting to see God's hearing our prayers. And that's what Nehemiah did. He started, he taught them to pray. Moving on to 10, verse 10, it says, Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, They will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So they're starting to use fear. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with the swords, their spears, and their bows. So Nehemiah starts to set people at the wall, upon the wall. These are all watchmen, intercessors. They are watching what's going on. They are warring or standing in a position of war for situation, for the situation at hand. There's a strategy in this. Verse 14, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the leaders and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. He's talking here, remembering God and pull together. And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. They didn't even fight a battle, and the enemy ran and fled. So we've got many different tools, right? You can see them up there, the uh, power tools, the guitar, it's an instrument for worship, the weapons for war, they're tools. Uh, we've got our hands, and that's representing our praise, our worship, our prayer. That's a tool for us. Um, you can see tools in the farming game. You can see tools in the building construction game. You can see tools for war and tools for cooking. You know, um, who's got a paint scraper for their barbecue tool? Yes. The best barbecue tool in the world is a paint scraper, right? Don't go out to a fancy kitchen place to buy it. Go to, the, go to, go to Dalson's. <laughs> right, anyway. So... <laughs> You've got to have a plug every now and then, is that right? We've got lots of different tools. And Nehemiah was aware of his tools. He was aware of these things. Nehemiah had the people put down their building tools and take up their warring tools in a strategy. It was time to put down the trowel and time to pick up the spear. It was time to put down the hammer and it was time to pick up the sword. In this time, when the threat was against them, they went to war without going outside of the bounds. This talks to us of prayer. It talks to us of spiritually warring because we're not going to let the enemy, the toothless lion that he is, cause us to run backwards. Nehemiah had the strategy. He knew what he was doing. Verse 16 says, So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. 
So who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. That's pretty tricky if you ask me. If you're trying to lift bricks or or blocks or rocks or whatever you're trying to do with one hand and a trowel and cement in the other, that's pretty difficult. These guys were doing it with a weapon of war in one and a weapon of construction in the other or a tool of construction in the other. Pretty tricky kind of people, but they got it done. They worked together and made it work. Every one of the builders had his sword girded to his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. It's so true. Verse 21. So we labored in the work and half of the men held the spears from the daybreak until the stars appeared. And they still achieved the building of the wall. I think it was 52 days. Crazy. Miraculously, they were able in the midst and amongst the fullness of opposition, they pulled together and they achieved. The thing about it is, some people were for construction. Some people were put for war. And some people were able to carry the load of both construction and the war. We've got to find where we fit in the midst of all of this without feeling guilty, without feeling like we're not contributing, without feeling. We've got to find out has God got us to be someone that's building up, or has He got us someone on. Uh, in the in the depths of the war, battling this out in prayer? Or has he got you in both? Has he given you the capacity to be able to carry the building with the warring? And we're not to feel guilty in that. We have to feel released in that. Understanding who we are is really, really important about when it comes to accomplishing the will of God. And the will of God was achieved because the people knew they had the right tools. They had the right tools for construction. They had the right tools for warring. And they had the right God in which they were serving. We have the right tools. And I think I've got some quick ones to touch on here to help us moving forward to understand how important and what these tools are for us. If you take one of these tools and begin to dig deep into it, and begin to ask God what it means for you, and ask the Holy Spirit to bring light to it for your life, then you'll become effective and efficient in the call and the leading of God in your life. Until you get to that one point where you understand that one, and then you can move to the next. We all get a small understanding of all of these, but we're to build upon our knowledge and our skill of these, like apprenticing in them. Because we should become an expert in them and be able to help other people understand how to use these tools. Is that true? You tell me a a 16-year-old boy or girl nowadays that leaves school and is able to pick up a spanner and work on a motorbike nowadays. It just doesn't happen. We're in a very different world. So we need to teach them even how to hold a spanner or or a shifter 
not a shift on a motorbike, or a, um, a screwdriver, or, you know, we need to teach them how to use the right tools, like that C-span. I, got n- I knew what it was. I got no idea how to adjust my chain on my motorbike. I could adjust an old chain on an old motorbike. That wasn't too hard. I could do that, but I got no idea how to adjust the chain on this one. Barry will probably show me, and I'll be like, oh, that makes sense. But you know what we do today? You know how we expert in things today? We expert in things today by going to YouTube. Is that true? Yeah. We expert by going to YouTube. So we've actually removed ourselves from the, from the teaching of one man to another or one woman to another because we can learn it at the access of a point of, of, of thing. We do that with our spiritual walk. Well, what's this pastor such and such saying over this side of the world? What's he saying right now? And we disconnect ourselves from what God is saying to us here in this place. And you hear the stories of, well, why should I go to church when I can sit on the couch in my undies and wear and watch Hillsong? I heard that one this week. <laughs> like, are you serious? Like that, that's the YouTube that we're in today. I can get any message I want on YouTube. I, what? I got no reason to put my efforts in and prepare a word of God, I could just show you a YouTube video and you guys would all walk out of here happy. Would you though? Not really, no, because that's not what you're hungering for. You're hungering for relationship. You're hungering for unity. You're hungering to grow together. So every one of us, when we learn these skills, we're able to impart them to another person. That's called discipleship. Right? So if we're learning everything from a video, how am I going to impart that to someone? I'm not. But if I'm learning because I'm getting my hands dirty and I'm digging into the Word and God's walking me through a situation that I'm learning from, guess what, people? I've got a story that I can share with my neighbor. And all of a sudden, they're hungry to learn from me because they are hungry for relationships. God's wisdom is infinite. That's why he's called us together as the church. So these things, pick one of them. I don't care which one of them you pick. Maybe you've got to the point where you're radically uh, influenced by every one of them. Well, good on you because you're Jesus. Right? And if you're so radically changed by these that you're already doing them and not imparting them, then the dead should be raising in your life. It's that serious. You should be able to lay hands on the sick and they should all get well. And that's what we're stepping into. That's the season we're stepping into. But we won't get it if we don't realize we've got the tools. We've got the tools. God wants to give you the tools and the understanding how to use the tools. And we do so in, with each other. So let's get into them. Salvation is the first one. And you go, oh, Steve, how's that a tool? Well, salvation, identity, if you do not know who you are, you are going to run every time that lion roars at you. But when you know who you are, you are going to stand fast. And that person, that enemy, that devil, he's going to run from you every time. Because you'll understand who you are, you'll understand whose you are, you'll understand the covenant you're in, you'll understand the force and the weight of the kingdom of God that is right behind you and nothing will stand in your way. 
When you understand salvation, you understand your identity, you'll understand that you will be unstoppable. Luke 23, 43, just before this, we have the thief on the cross next to Jesus. And he says to Jesus, what's he say? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answers him and says, today, truly I say to you, today you will be with me. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Do you think the thief second guessed that? Or do you think as he's hanging up on that cross, about to take his last breath, that he grabbed that truth and he said, today I'm going to be with Jesus. Today. But we forget how important our salvation is to us. It's a tool that reminds us. Why do we do communion all the time? It reminds us our reliance upon God. Paul reminds us in Galatians 2.20 that I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When I am saved, I put the world aside and I take upon myself the plans and purposes of God. I am crucified to my old way of life and I am set apart unto Jesus. That is who I am. I am a son of God. I am a co-heir in Christ. I have the same spirit living and dwelling within me that was living and dwelling within Jesus. When I understand who I am, Yes, I go through all of the things and the challenges of this world, but quickly I'm able to overcome them because I'm reminded by who I am. I'm like everyone. I I had my down periods over Christmas time, just like every one of you guys. And I had to fight through them as hard, if not even harder than some of you guys had to fight through them. Because we all allow expectations to get over top of us. We all allow our family issues to come across us. We all put ourselves into positions where we think we should be better than we actually are. But when I'm relying on Christ, it's not about my performance. It's about his performance in me. And it's about what he wants to do through me. And if I'm always putting myself upon the throne, then he can't do anything in me. So when I crucify myself, I die to the desires of the flesh, and I live unto God. This is a tool to help you overcome the crazy thoughts that the enemy pops in your head. The identifying with Jesus and his death, burial and resurrection brings us salvation, which is a powerful tool in overcoming the lies of the devil. It is a helmet to shield us from the bombardment of lies and accusations he brings against us And when we use the tool of salvation to reinforce our secure identity in Jesus, we can combat the onslaught and overcome. Did not Paul say that we're more than conquerors in Christ? I'm not more than a conqueror. I can wield a hammer, but I can't wield a shield. But in Christ, I'm an overcomer. More than, I'm a conqueror. So when I remind myself of my identity, I overcome the things that pull me aside, that detract me from my purpose, that make me say, oh, woe is me. 
And you can do the same. It's a tool if we would just allow God to use it as such in our life. The second one is this. So, so maybe some of you might need to grab the tool of salvation and, 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 and renew your mind in identity, understanding who you are. The second one is the Word. The second one is this. It's not this Bible, but it's the living, breathing Word that is Jesus Christ and how He affects that change in our life. Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In my office, I've got an LED light. I could have pulled it out and I could have blinded you all with it. Right? But that's what the Bible is supposed to illuminate our pathway so that we don't wander off. Who's gone camping before? and had to go and visit the little girl's room or the little boy's room at night time. Yeah? It's a bit difficult sometimes trying to crawl out of the bed up on the camper or out of the stretcher bed in your tent or out of your swag if you've got a swag. It's a bit difficult at 4 o'clock in the morning having to go when it's freezing cold outside and the fire hasn't got very much warmth to it. How much harder is it without a light? You go and find the torch because you remember where you put it. If you're anything like me, you've stuffed it in your in your swag with you so you know where it is. It's been donking you in the head all night because I'm a restless sleeper. You find your torch. But what happens when your torch runs out of battery? You're sitting there doing your business and you're in the dark. Like, think about it. How do you get back to your swag? You can't see because you've wandered far enough away that no one else can see you if they happen to wake up. The Word of God is active and sharper than a two-edged sword. The Word of God is powerful to pierce through, to divide, actually to cut through the lies in your life that holds you back. The Word of God can set you free. We've put ourselves into these positions where we, we fortify some of our beliefs that oppose God and His Word, and yet the Word of God, when we utilize it in our life, it can make us the freest we've ever been. You've used battery tools before, right? You know what I'm referring to with a battery tool, like this thing here? Like this is this is pretty flash, this one. It's got a little button on it there that tells you how much charge is left in it. Can you see that? Got a green light? Yeah. When that's out of charge, you take it off and you clip it onto the charger and you get full charge again after about, probably with that one, about 20 minutes. If you haven't picked up your Bible for a month, how full do you think your charge is? Let alone picking up your Bible at all this last year gone. If the only food that you've got has come from this pulpit, then you're going to be pretty flat. And it's not saying that the food coming from here is wrong. It's just saying that God wants to walk with you on a daily journey, day in, day out, and then keep you charged with his battery power, which is his word. His word cuts through the crap of this life 
And it's so easy. It's so easy. If you're not being guided by the Word of God, it's so easy to follow a different path and to make it sound biblical. And all of a sudden, you're reinforcing an idea that's unscriptural, ungodly, puts you in a position that's actually anti-Christ. Yet so many people are doing it as they're walking away from church life. So the Word of God is powerful. It's a lamp unto our our feet. It is a light unto our path. It is a, a sword that pierces directly to the heart. What about this one? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I haven't got it written there, but the Holy Spirit. I've got four really, really interesting ones here. You can write these down. If you've got a phone, you've got a notepad in your phone, I want you to write these down because I'm not going to share them. We'll take a photo with them and you can look at them in your own time. Four things. The Holy Spirit as a useful tool in our life. First is adoption, Romans 8, 14 to 17. Galatians 4, 6 to 7. I'll read this one for you for context. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. The importance of understanding that we are adopted into the family of God. And it's the Holy Spirit who cries out, Abba, Father, through us. The the second one here is the spiritual gifts. And we've looked at these last year, so I don't need to look at them too much today. But 1 Corinthians 12, 4-6, it's through the same Spirit that each one of these gifts are offered and activated. Is that right? That's what it says there in, in Corinthians. But spiritual gifts... They're not just to empower you to have a good, happy, clappy time at church. The spiritual gifts are are available as tools, as gifts for you to be activated in the sharing of the good news of the gospel. So when you go and you tell your friend about Jesus, you're not doing it alone. You're doing it with the Holy Spirit and the full force of his power and gifting behind you. And he won't leave you as orphans because he's already adopted you as sons. And the Holy Spirit empowers you with things you didn't know. Word of knowledge. With a prophetic word to encourage someone. He empowers you with all sorts of things to reveal God. Powers and abilities and gifts the witness for Jesus. And yet we keep him in the tool shed, locked up at home. We don't take him with us when we go for a coffee. We don't sit there alone and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do today? How do you want to use me today? Or boldly step into a situation where God must meet you. Don't leave him in the tool shed locked up at home or in a safe that you've forgotten the combination for. The Holy Spirit is wanting to walk this life and journey with you. Not only does he empower us for witness in that area, but he helps us to speak. Who is happy that the Holy Spirit wants to help you speak? And in the context here, uh, Mark is writing, he's using what Jesus is saying, that he'll help us when we are... um, 
brought up before authorities and when we're thrown into prison, the Holy Spirit will speak on our behalf. He'll give us the words to say. If he's going to do it in this situation, if you put yourself in a situation where you have to rely on God to share the gospel, do you think he's going to do it then as well? Absolutely, because he's the same yesterday, today and forever. The Holy Spirit is mighty. He's powerful. He's yours. He is not only your helper, he is your advocate. That same word, it's advocate, it's helper, it's counselor, it's all of these things. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you or to you. How much more when we go up against the accuser does our advocate stand in the gap and remind God who we are. The Holy Spirit is active in your life. And we just need to dig deeper into the Holy Spirit. Um, I won't spend a lot of time on this one, but Ephesians 1, 16 to 23, you can put that one into your thinking. The difference between authority and power. When you come to Christ, you have authority. It's a delegated authority as co-heirs with him. You, 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 he says that all authority has been given to me, therefore go. You have been commissioned as an ambassador of Jesus to perpetuate his kingdom. The, the Roman word is actually apostolize. So it's to advance the kingdom of God. It's in his authority we do this. But we fail to realize that we need to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit as well. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a tool so that you can sound funny when you're worshiping Jesus. It's not something that should be mocked by another person when you're praying in tongues. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is the dunamis power of God to witness for God. And some of us need to dig into this one and refire the gift of the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because it's the power of the Holy Spirit at work through you that will see you accomplish the things that Jesus says you will do greater than even he did. And we've seen it throughout history. And all of these people in history that have been accredited with thousands and thousands of miracles and healings or or awakenings across the nation and, and, and revivals that, are, that, that you can't even dream of. All of these people, they put it down to the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit at action and working in them. And that begins by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, praying in other tongues, talking to God, innocent, truthful, full, fullness from the heart prayer that only He understands. Authority and power are really, really important. Authority and power used correctly are sharp, are precise, and with the right force is like a good chisel. Who's got a good chisel at home that's nice and sharp? Yeah, it's good. The builder in the room's got a good chisel. A blunt chisel's horrible. You can't notch out hinges with a blunt chisel. It just becomes a mess. Um, what about the surgeon's scalpel? The Holy Spirit helps us like a surgeon with a scalpel. 
or an artist sculpting tool. I can't, I can't sculpt for my life. I, I can do a potato out of clay and I can do a sausage. That's about it, right? But, but I can tell you, I can't even paint. But I had the opportunity last year to paint something of a vision from God for someone else, like a, a prophetic painting for someone else. I can't paint for my life, but the Holy Spirit in me painted a picture for this person and it blessed them. And if she was here, I'd ask her to tell you. But it blessed her. But I can't paint. But the Holy Spirit in me does. And the Holy Spirit in you, you can't witness, but the Holy Spirit in you can. True? You can't win anyone to Christ. And if you think you can, then you need to, you need to go and get a wake-up call. But you can lead them to Jesus and the Holy Spirit in them can convict the heart because he's at action and at work with you. It's the dunamis power of God to be able to change a heart of humanity. Amen? He's like a beautiful scalpel. I've got two to go. Is that all right? They're quick. You want to know what they are? Because I can finish. I, got enough, I think you've got enough to do. What do you reckon? Looking at the Word of God, remembering your salvation, remembering who you are, your identity, drawing from the Holy Spirit. We could spend all year talking about the Holy Spirit and still not unpack the wonders of God in our life that He has given us in the power of the Holy Spirit. We could spend eternity digging into the wonder of the Holy Spirit and still not know everything about Him because He's God. He's God. You don't, you don't have to put a wall up and run from him, amen? But I want to tell you this one, because this one, for me, is really important. There's a tool in your tool shed that you forget about. And the tool in your tool shed is each other. You forget about each other. I forget about you. I'm human. You forget about me. You forget about each other. Forget about it. It's okay. But we forget that together we are sharp tools. We're actively involved, engaged, encouraging one another, empowering one another, giving each other the ability to stand up when things are tough, when life is going hard. Could you imagine doing life truly alone? Now, some of you may feel like you're alone at this very moment. But right now, you're sitting in a room with about 80 other people. And you're not alone, but you can choose to be alone. Is that, is that right? You can choose to listen to the voice of the enemy that says you're alone. You can choose to do that. Or, take it from my book, you can open up the tool shed and you can step into the reality that God has put you in a body, that he stuck you here, that he's put you beside the people that you are beside and that he's done it because he's wiser than you and I are. And when we value the fact that he's put us in a group of people that if we would just honour, then we would step into a place of almighty breakthrough in our life. So don't forget about each other. Think about each other. Pray for one another. Encourage each other. Seek God for a word for one another. Cheer one another on. Go with each other to share the gospel. Disciple each other. Like I said, 
dig into one of these things and help your brother or sister learn the same thing that you've learned. Don't miss the opportunity. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, 13 is the one I want to highlight. It says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. You can never grow up into Christ without each other. So right there is the answer. If you've been thinking that church is not the place you need to be, right there is the answer. It says otherwise. You can't separate yourself from the people of God and expect yourself to grow up into Christ. You can't do it alone. God puts us into a body for a reason. And we are to encourage and to grow up one another in this area until we achieve mature manhood. And you know what? The reality is we're going to be doing this for the rest of our existence on this earth. Until that day. The last one, I have already mentioned it earlier on when I referred to the helmet. The last one is our armour. Dig into this one. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Have a dig into this one. Have a look at it. It's all about these things that I've been talking about. It's the tools that you need to live a victorious life as we choose to follow Jesus and step into his calling for this year. Verse 13 of this passage says, Therefore take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Verse 14, Stand therefore. You can't stand without the knowledge of salvation. You can't stand with understanding without understanding the righteousness that you are in Jesus. You can't stand without the truth of the word of God. You can't stand in faith without the faith of your shield. You cannot overcome the turmoils of the past without God's sharp sword working in your life. Like I said when I was sharing and praying before, the biggest one for me as we move forward as a church is every one of us have to take the responsibility of putting on the shoes of the gospel of Christ. Every one of us. Because without correct protection on your feet, you cannot run into battle. You cannot run for Jesus. You cannot see the breakthroughs in your life. And it's all hinged upon your willingness to promote peace in the earth. That is who we are. The peace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But my friends might reject me, Pastor Steve. Yep, they do. I'd rather my friend reject me than my God reject me. I'd rather have Jesus on a huge banner in my life than than worry whether or not someone's going to offer me a cold glass of water tomorrow because I've offended them. The gospel is the gospel. It's not meant to antagonize people and cause unrest. It's meant to bring them to a a place where they can encounter peace and the true peace of Christ. But every person has the right to reject it. 
person has the right to accept it. It's not a rejection of you, it's a rejection of God if they reject the gospel. God's been putting up with rejection since the fall of Adam. I think he's used to it by now. And he still chose to send Jesus. He still chose to come in flesh. He still chose to die on a cross, knowing full well that your friend will reject him when you share the gospel with him one day. So we either get over ourselves and put on the gospel of peace so we can run for Jesus, or we live in a place of fear for the rest of our lives. And church, I've got to be honest. I ain't got time for fear. I don't have time to run from people who think negatively of me. And neither should you. Because your motives are the gospel of peace. Your motives are Jesus Christ. Your motives have to be found in the word of God. So your tool shed is full. But a tool is useless unless you use it. Amen? Use the word of God. Use it powerfully and effectively. Use your friendship with the Holy Spirit. Because he won't fail you. Amen? Use your prayer life. Because it's the last one on my list. And I didn't share it in the first service because I forgot. Prayer. I think I said enough about it in the first service. Pray in your native language. So for some of you that's English. For others that's that, that, that's whatever nation or culture or tongue you're from. Pray in your natural language. As long as you understand it, pray it. Pray, pray, pray. But also, if you're praying in the Spirit, pray in your spiritual language. But if you're not, then seek God because it's an empowering presence in your life. Pray in the Spirit. Pray with your understanding. Pray with the Spirit. And pray for one another. Because we all need help. I'm the first one to say I'm imperfect in all of this. I'm, I'm the first one to say that I was sitting there on Friday and I was asking the Holy Spirit, I was having a coffee at the central, and I was asking the Holy Spirit, who can I talk to? And I didn't want to talk to anybody. Drinking my coffee and eating my donut. And just so happened that a couple of ladies from the church came past and sat down with me and they encouraged me. Maybe it wasn't about me that day or maybe it wasn't about me sharing with them Maybe it was just them bringing peace into my life for a change. When you're open to God, he will utilize it for your good and the good of others around you. So who's got sharp tools in their shed? Yeah, Jan's got a sharp tool. Good. But in the spirit, who's got sharp tools? Who's got a couple of tools that they probably just need to Get the sharpening stone out, the oil stone, and just start to sharpen up again. Yeah, we all have, haven't we? It's easy to get caught up with the worries and stresses of this world. I've got a chisel that needs sharpening. I've got a sword that just needs a little bit of honing. I've got a a shield that's got a few arrows in it that I need to knock out. Yeah? You're the same. Picked up a shovel yesterday, you know, 
the old farmer's trick of a shovel. Give it a bit of a sand, stick it in some old sump oil and it'll rejuvenate the handle. I don't know if anyone's ever done that before, but it works a treat. I used to know someone that had a pipe start up in their shed and uh, they'd pour a bit of the sump oil in there and leave it. And uh, any time they wanted to restore their shovel, they'd just stick their shovel in there and walk away and a week later they'd come back and wipe it off and it was perfect again. Right? Some of us just need to rejuvenate the timber in our life. The natural things in your life that God has placed in you, the, char- the, the natural charisma in your life. You, you've, you've forgotten. You've forgotten who you are. You've forgotten that God created you and, and he created you in his likeness. You've forgotten. And you just need to rejuvenate, bring the life of the timber back out again. Because God calls you beautiful. So much so that that he would die on the cross for you. Like, we can't display it any more than that. Amen? How about we stand to our feet? I invite the band back this morning. Maybe we just got to do a little bit of business with God. I'm hoping and I'm praying that you took one, you'll take one of those things and just spend time over the next week, month, six months, however long. You just take time to unpack that with God. For some of you, it might be the shoes, your feet being shod with the gospel of peace. For others, it might be valuing your word once again, getting into a quiet time making the habit of getting up early and praying and spending time with God. For some of you, it might actually be that you would start to unpack that there is a person of the Trinity and His name is the Holy Spirit and that you need a deeper relationship with Him. Maybe, just maybe, this year is your year to encounter the breakthrough in power in your life that you've been hungry for. I don't know what it is for you, but I know what it is for me. Just close your eyes right now. I'm not into New Year's resolutions. I'm not into making promises that I'm not going to keep. But why don't today, just in your own words, just ask the Holy Spirit to highlight one of those things for you. Is it the Word of God? Is it the Holy Spirit? Is it your identity? Is it digging into authority and power? Is it your prayer life? Is it the understanding of who you are and the armour of God that is rightfully yours? What is it that the Holy Spirit is illuminating to you right now? That he just wants to say, son, daughter, I've got your back. I want to walk you through this. I want to help you understand. 2020 is the year of breakthrough in this area for your life. Lord Jesus, the truth is that I am crucified with you. The life I live, I live unto God. And I choose to put away all selfish desire right now. Illuminate yourself in your word to me. Give me a hunger for righteousness. Lord Jesus, 
I thank you for my salvation. Let this year be the year that I say, be the Lord of my life. The master of it all. Direct my path. Illuminate my trail. Give me strength in my weakness. Holy Spirit, encourage me. Lift off my shame and guilt and replace it with your love and your acceptance. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I need you more and more in my life. Empower me that I may shine brightly for you. Not as as an offense, but Lord Jesus, that I may be an attraction for all who would call upon your name. That I would attract them in to a place where your spirit can rejuvenate and rebirth a life in Christ. Holy Spirit, I want to know more of your power. I do not want you retreating from my life due to my selfish decisions. Forgive me today of where I have wronged you. Holy Spirit, do not leave my presence as the King David has said. Do not take your spirit from me, but may you consume me more and more each day. Remind me of the authority I have in Christ and give me a hunger to see miracles, signs and wonders follow as I walk submitted to you. I am your son. I am your daughter. Jesus, we belong to you. Let 2020 have the Lord's name throughout every day bring about the understanding of your word. Draw us deeper into a relationship with you. Jesus, we love you. Let your presence fill this room.